Welcome to the Retail Asia podcast, where industry leaders discuss emerging trends and business models, their upcoming projects, and how the retail industry is evolving. And now here's your host, Tim Charlton. Welcome everybody to the Retail Asia podcast. Joining me today is Johnny Wong, the head of digital business at NTUC. He's a seasoned executive with 15 plus years of software engineering and product management. He leads Fair Price Group's digital business, which operates Singapore's number one rated online grocery platform, Fair Price Online. And it's the only omni-channel grocery platform. Welcome, Johnny. Thank you, Tim. Glad to be here. Wonderful to have you. Now, uh, obviously, the last 12 months has been challenging, but also very good for, for online. So can you tell us how NTUC has been impacted by COVID? What challenges did you encounter and how did you overcome them? And I guess, especially as I would have thought, everything is already set up. So did things need to change? Oh, very much. Uh, certainly, Tim. Uh, I remember back last year, around March timeframe, uh, shortly after the Doors Con Orange was enacted, uh, demand for online groceries exploded, as you can imagine. So, and we were really not ready for that increase uh, in demand. We were seeing between four to five times the normal uh, peak demand. Nobody really plans to to handle four or five times the demand at peak levels, right? So obviously we were scrambling, our websites were uh, were suffering, uh, we could not keep up with the orders, we did not have enough trucks, not even enough real estate space to park the trucks to do the uh, back and forth of uh, delivering the, the orders. Yeah, so very much impacted, uh, but uh, fortunately because we have an in-house team and we handle our own logistics and of course we very much uh, work with the uh, product supply uh, that we have through the brick and mortar, we were able to, after a short period of time and of adjustment, we were able to build up the capacity again. We uh, enacted a few good initiatives that uh, now, uh, fortunately, these are things of the past. We're back in all, all cylinders, filling all the all the online grocery orders, uh, just fine. Yeah, and obviously, you know, at the beginning, and, and I was here in Singapore, everything was flying off the shelves. Toilet paper, number one request. <laughs> uh, did you find that after a while it, it sort of settled down or did you really need to scale up your systems to meet a new higher level of peak demand? What actually happened there? So it has uh, it has come down, obviously, from the crazy levels uh, at that time. I think a lot of people were in a hoarding mode. They were hoarding the... Uh, you know, the toilet paper, as, as you say, and a few other groceries. But to be honest with you, Tim, these kind of a black swan events are really hard to predict. You really don't know what's going to happen. How long is it going to last? And therefore, at that time, in the moment, we didn't know. You know, should we keep on planning for capacity to keep growing at tremendous uh, levels or what, right? Uh, and of course, also the, the global supply chains uh, were being disrupted. So that, that also presented another challenge for us. You know, what are we going to do in and so at the time, it was very much uh, confusing. I would not say that it was a walk in the park. Yet again, uh, thanks to the team, thanks to the organization and the good partners that we have, uh, we were able to put together a sensible growth plan that uh, now gives us a little bit of a breathing room. Can you sort of quantify how much change post-COVID? Can you quantify any volumes? Do you think some of this will be permanent? People who maybe never did their shopping online are now doing it and they're not going back. Yeah, sure. So at the time, we grew ourselves by four to five times so that already gives gives you a, a big sense and i think in terms of the the penetration of online groceries it also climbed up significantly right now it might be around 15 percent where it was uh shortly before it was maybe seven percent so just online grocery penetration as overall 
uh, groceries increased uh, significantly. And that kind of a penetration growth basically meant that the online groceries accelerated by nearly two years. Yeah. So this type of a growth we were not going to expect until 2022 or end of 10, 2022. Yeah. And of course, that allows us then to introduce new models. Uh, so something that we did last year, for example, be, besides uh, increasing our capacity for the pick from store model that we already had done, is we actually introduced a new fulfillment model, uh, probably first here in Singapore, which is the dark store model, where we actually took an existing brick and mortar and walking customer location, the supermarket, and we closed it down to only service uh, online groceries. Yeah. I'd imagine that would be central area one. Which one was it? No, that was in, uh, in Orchid Country Club uh, in the north. And that helped us uh, ha handle some, you know, a, a good number of orders. And in fact, through that store, we're actually able to service, uh, if I recall correctly, three to four times more, uh, more customers than if we had just uh, kept that store open for public access. Yeah, and of course, look, I'm a customer, uh, but I, I've had the wine delivered. You have a very good wine selection there at NTUC, the, the wine club, but very good prices. So I'm, I'm aware of how, of how well it works. But tell me about the technology behind the dark stores. I guess it all happened so quickly, you didn't have time to plan for robotics and things like that. But maybe if you can shed a little bit of light on, on where you're thinking about that sort of technology and do you think there'll be some more dark stores as well? Sure, we're looking at that, uh, certainly. So just to step back a little bit, today we have three different fulfillment models. The, uh, the oldest uh, and pro probably the more, more established one is the central warehouse fulfillment model. Uh, it's running out of our, one of our warehouses uh, in, the, in the West, and that is the most automated. Uh, we have a this system com called AutoStore, which is essentially what you see in the videos where there's a robotic arm that picks up crates and brings in the, the crates with the goods for a picker to then uh, collect those orders. So a number of our customers in Singapore that are serviced out of that fulfillment model would, uh, you know, would, would be seeing that. And that, that is also the model that supports a large variety of products as well because we're doing um, a marketplace through that as well. So, so that is the most mechanized. Uh, the second fulfillment model that we have is that which we call fulfillment from store. Uh, and that uh, means that in Singapore, we have the largest hypermarkets, the largest supermarkets that are, that are open to the public. Out of those, we are also doing uh, hyperlocal deliveries. That means that uh, if you happen to live within, let's say, a three-kilometer radius of one of the uh, hypermarkets that we have, then you're likely going to be serviced out of that hypermarket. So, for example, Tim, if you live within a three-kilometer radius of a hypermarket, you will be able to get your products within even a three-hour uh, window. So from yeah. click to delivery, yeah, because it's so close to you as opposed to a central warehouse, which might be a bit farther from you. And also the good thing is because there are so many eyes in that hypermarket or that large supermarket looking at the fresh produce and making sure that those fresh produce is, is as fresh as it can be, then you can have a guarantee the vegetables and the fruits that get come to you are really good. Yeah, in fact, for that second fulfillment model, we're seeing month-on-month uh, -month increases in the penetration of fresh, even up to 60%. So 60% of our orders that are coming from that fulfillment model now contain fresh, which is a good validation because one of the big barriers for people to shop on, online is because they are not sure whether they're, they're going to get the good fresh produce. Yes, the last uh, fulfillment model is the dark store. Uh, is the is the one where we close the, the brick and mortar store and then 
and then turn into an online-only store. That one is doing quite well. We are looking at uh, potentially opening up another dark store for 2022, but uh, we're still looking at the where to put it, where to, where to plan it. Uh, still a little bit work in progress, uh, but that may be another uh, good venue for us to continue to scale when the other two models you know, are, are not able to support the additional demand. And what sort of technology are you maybe looking if you do more dark stores? Have you found any interesting solutions or is it still a lot of manual picking in the store? Uh, today, there's a lot of manual picking in the store because it was uh, taking a, an existing store where the layout is fixed. But certainly, I, I suppose that if we were to uh, do a dark store from scratch, uh, we would be looking at a good level of automation. Yeah, it, It's automation that we probably have to insert over time. We as a social enterprise that wants to keep prices affordable as much as possible to, to the Singapore consumer. We, we are very cautious into how much to invest uh, and when to invest uh, and not to do it sooner than we, you know, many, many years before we need it. Probably the way that we generally do these things is when the demand uh, in that particular dark store is still in the infancy stages, we tend to do more manual processes. But once it starts to mature, then that's when we start to introduce uh, automation to handle both the, the, the higher volumes as well as to justify the investments in terms of the, uh, the automation uh, technology. Yeah. So we have to do that uh, over time. Now, for those who are not in Singapore, uh, one really interesting thing to realize is not only is it geographically very small, but it's the most contested retail space surely in planet Earth. It's the only place I can think of, at least last year, where you had both uh, Amazon with its uh, you know one hour or two hour delivery, and then Alibaba came in and bought Redmart, another online only delivery service, where you've got two of the world's biggest tech companies competing head to head, and then you're in there as well. I mean, how do you cope? Can you describe this sort of competitive situation that you're in? That honestly, even in America, they, they're not competing with Alibaba or on the on the grocery deliveries. Um, you know, what's changed? What are they bringing to the market? How are you competing? Where are you finding your space? Tell us about this, this uh, fascinating business battle. First of all, let me say that I, I love it. I love the fact that we have so much competition because it causes us to do our best. And then, you know, we, since we want to always beat out the competition, that means that we need to be more innovative. We need to be more, in some ways, aggressive and make some really smart bets. Yeah. And so it really pushes me, pushes the team, pushes the organization on how can we do uh, better for the Singapore consumer, despite having these uh, two giants, as you described it. The way that we've looked at it is, is basically to leverage the assets that we have. And so what are these assets? I mentioned already some of them. Uh, is the fact that we have uh, the largest network of brick and mortar stores throughout Singapore, different from uh, Amazon or, or Alibaba through Redmart, that only are depending on a central warehouse model. Yeah. Uh, we have many such warehouses. I already talked about the hypermarkets. Leverage. How many outlets would there be in total in Singapore, just to give our listeners an idea? Oh, I'm yeah. going to guess about 120 would be my guess. Yeah, it's upwards of 120, closer to probably 150 or so. Yeah. And so that brings up a lot of uh, differentiated uh, benefits. Yeah, like I mentioned already, uh, when you have a supermarket is near a consumer, then uh, you can get the deliveries much faster. Uh, you can be more efficient with those deliveries where the, the truck can go back and forth. And this translates in better economics as well that we can then pass on to our customers. Yeah. The other good thing that uh, NTUC, the, the Fair Price Group has had for 
uh, already you know, several decades is the relationships that he has with his suppliers. So in times of COVID, uh, when these global supply chains are a little bit uh, iffy, you, know, you don't know what, uh, what's going to happen. Uh, because of those existing relationships that we're servicing not only online but also offline with these uh, global suppliers, we ensure that we do have things in stock. Yeah. And that is a significant benefit. When you may go to our, some of our competitors, you know, their, their product may just run out of stock because they, their, their supply chain relationships are not as deep and then they don't have the volumes, combined volumes, to justify those, those type of uh, deep relationships, whereas we do because we service uh, both online and offline. And so there, there is a, a lot of uh, differentiation there as well. And then the other thing, of course, we, we, we continue to innovate. We have our own in-house teams uh, that are doing uh, anything from the technology to the uh, product selection and curation and the marketing. And while uh, this is, of course, uh, at face value, not a significant difference between uh, to uh, Alibaba and to Amazon, the key difference for us is that this is the only thing that we do. And, and I think that uh, having a dedicated team, focused team, singular goals that allows us to much faster in much more unison. And we only have to worry about Singapore, whereas the other players, Amazon and Alibaba, they have to think about, okay, what are other markets, what other businesses they need to cater for. And then I'm sure they will be making some compromises uh, in terms of their priorities, whereas our, our singular priority is to service uh, Singapore for groceries in the best way. Do you feel that they uh, they may be trying to buy market share, for example, or doing things like that? Does that add any competitive tension to you where you have your mission, which is to provide groceries to Singaporeans at the best possible price? No, for sure. For sure. I mean, this has been this is a story not only with these two players, but uh, worldwide, uh, any online grocery company to get market share, to get volumes, uh, they spend a lot of money on uh, on marketing, on vouchers, on discounts, uh, to in essence uh, create incentives for customers to jump into the online bandwagon. Yeah, and then uh, these these marketing incentives, these vouchers, are obviously funded either by very deep uh, cash reserves from these uh, tech giants, or a lot of uh, venture capital money. Neither of which the Fair Price Group uh, has <laughs> to its uh, to its uh, for its availability. Yeah. And therefore, we need to be very judicious. The, the strategy that we pursue is not a strategy of growing at all costs or growing mar or, or being the number one in, the, in terms of market share, uh, but it's a strategy of making sure that our economics are uh, getting uh, in a good way to a path to profitability and that at the same time, we provide the best customer experience. Yeah. And on that, I'm very happy to say that uh, uh, we have made significant progress. Like you introduced me, right? We're already the number one rated online grocery retailer. So our customers love our products. They, they rate us high on the app stores. They, they give us high NPS compared to our competitors. So this is something that we don't make any compromises on. And then secondly, on the economics for the future, these are, these are the things that we have not... We, yes, we do offer vouchers. We do offer discounts and things like that. But not Certainly not at the same level as the uh, tech giants. Instead, we focus to uh, put our money and our investments on innovation that makes us more agile, more productive, more efficient, more effective. And we're seeing significant uh, benefits. And I think once we are able to cross the, uh, the break-even uh, barrier, then we can then focus on uh, growing market share and do a proper, proper work. But it doesn't make sense to be the number one 
if being not the number one it means that you are also the one that loses the most money. Yeah, no, that, that's right. And of course, those companies have those deep pockets. Um, can you give us a sense? I don't know if you have of whether they're intensifying uh, their efforts, whether it's, it's almost like a little bit quiet and it's a standoff, or do you feel you're slowly crawling up to them and they're not able to push forward? If it's a battle, describe where we're at in this piece. Uh, I think we are in a little bit of a standoff or, or truce uh, for the time being. Uh, Lasada is probably more concerned with Shopee and fighting the, the battle in, in terms of general merchandise. So to them, uh, groceries is probably a second, uh, a second vertical that, uh, you know, they, they look at it as a good driver of uh, frequency, but probably they're not paying as much attention as they could because uh, probably rightly so, they're competing with uh, Shopee on the larger e-commerce uh, play. Amazon, interestingly, has done uh, quite some uh, interesting moves. I mean, they uh, rebranded their Amazon Prime Singapore offering to ultimately to Amazon Fresh. So that is a significant move that at least Amazon is paying a lot of good attention to groceries and, and then, uh, on-demand deliveries will be a key area of development. However, uh, when it comes down to the numbers and come, come down to uh, sales, uh, they just don't have the other pieces of the uh, of the puzzle to be able to effectively com- compete with us just yet. It will take a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of intensity for Amazon to be able to provide a good fight. As you know, you know Amazon. I think it was about three and a bit years ago, and uh, Red Mart had always been there, but Alibaba bought it what possibly two years ago now. Probably COVID is stretching it out an extra year in my mind. Um, but so you know, it's really terrific uh, how how you're doing all of this and really you know, bringing up your, your online offering to serve the customers. You've mentioned twice path to profitability. Um, what does that mean? Does that mean that when you get there, you're going to double down on the investments in technology? Does it mean that, that once you're there, you're, you're going to keep things on a steady base? What does that actually mean? How much are you able to lose, if I can ask at the moment, to fight this battle? Because obviously, you have to do online. You cannot not do it. That, that's right. That's right. So, I am very thankful to our board members and to the uh, to the group CEO and the rest of the leadership team that are supporting the future proofing of the organization uh, because online digital is the future and we need to invest in it even though in the near term it means investing so at an unprofitable uh, levels. Yeah. Uh, however, we have made good progress. We have indeed uh, uh, cut the loss ratio significantly. And we do see the light in terms of uh, turning the unit economics uh, around. And when we do so fully, then that will be the time when we can invest much more in terms of marketing, in terms of the additional business models that we might want to put in place uh, and do other things that uh, the customers can benefit from. I mean, we're, we're, we're a business now that is not only doing groceries, but we, we have cooked food, we have a few other things. And so... It just allows us to do much more to service the customer uh, in in more integrated, more efficient ways as well. So we're looking forward to that. Now, there are some exciting new things coming up, aren't there? Can you tell us about those projects you're working on? Well, uh, many exciting things. Of course, we have done significant things already. Last year, we opened up many more uh, stores that support Scan and Go, for example, is, is the first of uh, what I'm hoping to be many, many different uh, initiatives to digitize the in-store experience. So through Scan and Go, now you can walk into a into a fair price store and then using your phone scan products and pay with them in your phone and then, in a sense, show a QR code and just walk out. Uh, not not having to queue uh, allows you to uh, 
uh, move much faster through the uh, through the store, etc. Do you have to weigh those at the end to do that sort of tally in case there's extra things accidentally put into the shopping basket? How do you do the uh, loss prevention? Yeah, so so at the moment that you you walk out, uh, you have to show a QR code to some uh, kiosk, and that kiosk essentially has some machine learning algorithms basically that are trying to determine the trust score. A combination of the trust score of the of the consumer, or, or rather the track record of that consumer, along with the baskets, uh, the items that uh, that consumer has. So, Tim, for example, if you go to the store and you pick up some really expensive wines, and then this is the first time that you're doing it, uh, you probably gonna have a tendency to come and look at your your basket and then check. Okay, the wines that you got uh, are these the ones that uh, you have paid for? Yeah, but fortunately, after a little bit, maybe the second or the third, or who knows, the uh, subsequent visits, then we'll know, oh, Tim is actually a, a trustworthy customer and therefore it's fine to let, let him go. Johnny, I bought a few cases of, uh, of some Bordeaux, some Chateau Corbin that uh, NTUC stocks had all delivered to the uh, to the home and put in the wine fridge. So um, I'm, I'm one of your online shopping guys. So let's see if, if it links my name, face and account to an inline shopping experience. Um, so that was one that you did. Where else do you think you could apply that kind of concept? Uh, well, we're doing a lot of other things. Uh, so obviously in the in-store experience, we're looking at introducing much more personalization, uh, same things that we do in uh, uh, online. So based on your previous purchase history, we can suggest to you uh, new products uh, or new promotions uh, that you might be interested in. Yeah. So in your case, uh, it would on the online site, it would show you all your previous uh, wine purchases or grocery purchases, so you can have a quick place where you can you can buy them. And then based on those purchases, we can say, ah, you know, you like this kind of wine, maybe you also like this this other kind of wine. Um, but suffice to say also that uh, this year, even beyond personalization, we're looking at doing some interesting things for both the in-store experience and also the online grocery experience. So I guess I just have to say on that, uh, stay tuned a little bit, uh, it should be only a few months. But uh, we have a few interesting things that will be coming to the light, and, and I, I hope to discuss those at that time. One final question. I guess, you know, Singapore has a really tight labor situation made worse by inability to get people in through COVID. China was the first to experiment with staffless stores. You go in and you scan in and you buy that. Any thoughts of doing that in Singapore? We have tried uh, already we, with a pilot. Uh, we opened up our first autonomous convenience store. So there is a, we have a cheer store where you just using your, your phone also, you just go in and then uh, your QR code. And also that's a face recognition and it allows you to go in and you can just pick the products and then it will just charge, charge it to the card that it's registered with the app. Uh, we're looking at that model. We're, we're seeing what are the, the uh, what is the customer experience, how much we can take it to scale for 2020. Is, is that unit still open, that store? Yes. And can you give some early figures as to, as to how it's performing? I think the user experience is, is quite good. We still need to do some more analysis in terms of the economics. The technology, to be to be honest with you, is, is rather, it's a little bit expensive. So we need to understand, again, back to my earlier point, as to when to apply automation uh, at the right time when there is significant volumes. Very interesting. And, you know, I've always been fascinated over the last few years just thinking, how are the Singaporean local grocery stores going to compete against having the, the two to global tech giants in. It's great to see what you've been doing there and it's great to see NTUC standing by Singaporeans in a time of need and panic during COVID and coming up with solutions that uh, that they need. So thank you very much for your time to explain all of this today. 
we're very much looking forward to seeing uh, all of your new innovations throughout this year as well. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about this. I really appreciate the opportunity. Great. Thanks, everybody. That was Johnny Wong. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to our channel on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcast. For more information, check out retailasia.com.